Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. On today's mini-sode, we're going to be talking about the problems of proof text trumping. Proof text trumping. This is what happens when you're talking to a Christian and, and maybe you're trying to discuss a verse. Maybe, maybe you're discussing Genesis 6 and where God says, oh, I regret that I've made mankind. He changes his mind, destroys mankind from the face of the earth. Mankind who he created, he repented of his own action in creating mankind. And a proof text trumping would be someone jumps into the conversation and they say, well, that can't be true because Malachi 3, God does not change. What's happening there is they're introducing a text from a different part of the Bible written by a different author in a different context, not even about the same issues, and they're trying to use one verse to override the other. There's a lot of problems with this. There's a lot of problems with this type of thinking, and it should be shut down. It shouldn't be entertained, and hopefully, culturally, we could get to shaming those type of people who want to do that. Any verse needs to be able to stand alone in its own context. The various readings should be discussed in that verse alone without trying to introduce some controlling text that exists elsewhere by some other author in some other context. One of the biggest problems with verse trumping is that it's a red herring. What's doing is you're grabbing a different context. Now you have to shift focus from talking about the context of one verse and explaining and, and examining the context of some other entirely different passage. Take, for example, the Malachi 3 example. Now you're going to have to discuss with them, does Malachi 3 even mean what they want it to mean? They want to just pretend that that proof text means their theology. They want to shift focus of the discussion to that proof text. They want to be able to leave your proof text alone, not having to touch it, not having to deal with that context, and then switch to their talking points. It's a bad thing to entertain. They need to be able to explain that first primary verse in its own context, or else they've lost the discussion. What they're claiming, basically, when they introduce a new proof text trying to override a different proof text, what they're telling me, what that signals to me, is they have significant unsurmountable problems with the verses that we're discussing, whereas they have to say, well, this verse doesn't mean what it means because I got some overriding theology. That is what it's telling me, that they, they cannot deal with the text that's in discussion. So what's the claim when they add an entirely different verse that they want to use as a controlling verse? That their initial claim is that the Bible contradicts itself. you got a problem if you're going to say that this verse has to be read in light of a different verse, and that verse it doesn't mean what it says because some other verse means something else, completely different from the face value reading of your first text. You're saying the Bible contradicts itself. That, that's your claim. That's not a very good claim for trying to debate your position. That doesn't disprove that the original text doesn't mean what it says on the face value. You're just introducing a very contrived, contrived way to read the Bible, a contrived way to understand the verses in context and verses in light of each other. It's contrived to try to build this overriding proof text that just overrides anything that could possibly say anything different. Each verse needs to be able to stand alone in its own individual context. Proof text trumping falls for a lot of the same problems that the two quoku fallacy has. If you guys are aware of the true quoku fallacy, it's basically trying to accuse someone of hypocrisy in how they're dealing with text. So let's take, uh, for example, Bruce Ware's book in which he criticized the open theists and he criticizes them for inconsistent hermeneutics between two different passages. Well, 
Yeah, that doesn't mean their arguments for the first passage is false if they're just inconsistent in applying those principles. You haven't attacked the principles. You've just attacked someone's consistency. That doesn't invalidate any of their arguments at all. Proof text trumping is the same thing. Uh, just introducing different passages doesn't invalidate their original arguments. You have to be able to deal with the arguments themselves rather than trying to ignore those arguments and argue against someone's character or consistency or even possibly introducing claims that you think the Bible has contradictions that uh, your hermeneutics apparently magically makes go away. So let's real quick talk about what is not proof text trumping. What's not proof text trumping is when you're pulling out different parts of the Bible to try to probably show how language works and functions and how things need to be read or possibilities or drawing parallels or allusions. Let's take, for example, the book of life of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, which is a pretty common talking point among Calvinists, Arminians, open theists, where people say, oh, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the world, or names are written in the lamb's book of life from before the time began. That's what claims are happening with this, this book here. But as you see in Revelation, where the proof text is coming from, there's other references to the book of life in Revelation, a lot of times with the exact same phrasing, the phrasing, but without the lamb slain. So if you find the book of life from the foundation of the world without the phrase, the lamb slain, the lamb slain is probably not the thing being modified from the foundation of the world. It's the names not written. And so showing a parallel verse and how it functions in a very similar way to the verse under question, that's not proof text trumping. That's uh, opening up possibilities for alternative readings. And it's probably introducing, in this case, a more probable reading just because of the exact phrases being used. Likewise, the from the foundation of the world, that phrase can be found throughout the Bible, and it's not about from before the foundation of the world. It's not, oh, from time eternal, anything like that. In Luke 11.50, we read, So that the blood of all the prophets shed from the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. So what this is saying is all the prophets who've ever been killed, ever, from the foundation of the world, you know, from the foundation of the world, till now, you take all the prophets who've died and all that blood, all of that may be charged against this generation. And so this prepositional phrase is not being used in the way that people want to take the names in the book of life from time eternal. That's not what's going on here. This is a cumulative action from the foundation of the world till now. It's not proof text trumping. It's illustrating concepts. It's illustrating language use. And what this opens up is semantic possibilities for our proof text in question. Whereas in our case with God changing, oh, the Bible says God changes. Well, look at this proof text that says the exact opposite. That doesn't give us better linguistical understanding of the first verse in question. It doesn't clarify its reading. It's just telling us just not believe what we read. That's, that's not how we're supposed to be doing theology. That's an invalid way to do theology. Should not be entertained. Another example of what I think is not verse trumping is, uh, let's take, for example, Genesis 50, where it talks about God and his involvement in Joseph's life. And it says that uh, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So God is using this situation for good. And a lot of times Calvinists will say, well, God is purposing this. God is predestining it. This is God's actions. 
But let's say I want to shed further light on it. And I say, well, it, the, the language in Genesis 50 isn't, uh, it's not saying that God's causing everything. God could definitely be just repurposing this evil or God is using these wicked plans for his own ends. Not necessarily that he caused them and planned them from time eternal. And you turn to Acts 7, you got Stephen's speech in which Stephen, he's a future commentator on the event in question. And he says this, and the patriarchs, jealous of Joseph, sold him into Egypt, but God was with him and rescued him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom before Pharaoh. So it doesn't sound like Stephen is reading the Genesis text like the Calvinists are. Instead, he seems to be reaffirming an already established and available reading of the text in which God is rescuing, God is repurposing, God is weaving as the word could mean and often does mean throughout the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word. So we see that if we are turning to other verses, we should be turning to those other verses in order to broaden the possible readings of a verse to show how similar statements in other contexts are used in ways which could make sense of our original text or see how other authors viewed that text, viewed what is saying and how is saying it. And then that gives us a broader range of readings for that original text. We're not turning to different texts to try to undermine, undercut, and just ignore what's being said in that original verse. That's not a valid way to do theology. That's basically just saying the Bible's full of contradictions and I just choose the verses I want. That's invalid. I reject that. Another thing which is not proof text trumping, let's say we're back in Genesis and we're reading all about God and the entire narrative of Genesis is God learning about mankind, God, God recalculating in light of man's actions. Oh, he decides to destroy man and then he builds man up again. There's a lot of changes in God's mindset. There's a lot of even lowering of standards after the flood. And so you get to Genesis 50 and the Calvinists say this is proof positive that God controls all things. Well, if the author or and or authors of Genesis are being consistent, that's probably not what they're going for here because we see clear examples throughout Genesis in which God doesn't know, for example, in Genesis 22, he doesn't know the heart of Abraham, if Abraham is going to sacrifice his son or not. We have the flood. We have all sorts of things that don't look like divine meticulous control. So trying to claim that Genesis 50 is proof positive of this meticulous control of all things. And open theists and Arminians understand God controls some things. God can do things. God is capable and competent. That doesn't mean that God meticulously controls the falling of every leaf that ever existed in the world. That doesn't mean that. And we do see God's hand throughout the story of Joseph, which, which suggests which suggests that God does not control all things. Because when you have to positively attribute things to God, that means that not everything should be automatically attributed to God. These are special instances, special cases. That's just how literature is naturally written. If you have an alarm clock that always beeps, always, you don't talk about a specific time that it is beeping. You don't say, oh, it beeped at 8 o'clock today. It's always beeping. That's, that's not how people write. It's, it, it wouldn't make any sense to write that. It'd be a lot easier to say this clock always goes off. It, it's, it's always beeping rather than pointing out this specific instance. And especially if this is a major theological position, Calvinism. If Calvinism is supposed to be in the Bible, you wouldn't think that they would be beating around the bush if, if it's a heresy offense not to believe 
Calvinism. You wouldn't expect that. The Bible is just not written by Calvinists. It's not to be understood in a Calvinistic fashion. There's, there's a lot of damage to the text you do when you do start reading the Bible in this fashion. As a quick recap, let's talk about uh, what proof text trumping is. Proof text trumping is trying to turn to a different verse to invalidate the reading of the original verse. You should be able to have all verses stand alone in their own context. If we do want to switch to other verses, we need to show maybe, maybe there's phrases that are used elsewhere that could help illustrate possible meanings of the text, possible ways that language is being used that we haven't considered in the original text. Or maybe we're looking at a later commenter on that event that we're talking about. Or maybe perhaps we're trying to look at the mindset of the author to see what is most probable in his mind as he writes this text. Proof text trumping is invalid. Illustrations, allusions, clarifications, widening uh, semantic ranges of meaning, that is all valid. Anyways, questions, comments, put those uh, down in the comments section. Start a thread on God is Open Facebook group. Thank you for listening.